Oh, it's baseball 1911 PQ River here once again in your ears. And uh, it's it's April 5th. We're reading from the Evening World New York newspaper. And being an evening paper, it's uh, the news of the day, more or less. Well, the early part of the day. And uh, we're going to... I love the little squib here on the top of the page. Uh, up to date and newsy. I have never seen that word before. Newsy. Edited by Robert Edgren. And there's a cartoon to start us off at the top of the page with uh, different drawings with captions and the overall title, Mr. Fan. We'll see the opening game if he has to row there. So uh, that's implying, of course, it's a rainy spring. And uh, in the first panel, indeed, there is a bespectacled man in an overcoat under an umbrella, and he's looking up rather unhappily, and the caption reads, and the opening only a week away. Then there's a picture of a man in a diving suit, and uh, the caption is, the fans are getting out their rainy day suits, and he's saying, I'm going to see that opening game, even if I have to see it underwater. The third drawing has a man on a bench with a fan blowing on him, and he has an ice bucket with some beer next to him, and he's fanning himself with one of those palm fans, and there's a sun beating down on him. Better prepare for a scorcher, too. This is New York. And uh, let's see, there's a guy in a parka wearing the boots sitting. There's a sign that says bleachers, but it looks uh, like he's sitting on a pile of snow. And the caption says, keep your fur coats out of storage. Nine below zero today upstate. And of course, you don't want to miss that game. And uh, our last drawing has a fan with a little uh, megaphone, not a light, it just, you know, the cone-like cardboard contrivance they used to use back in the day. And he's ringing a bell, and uh, it just, oh, and he's got symbols on his ankles, and he's banging them together. Yes, this is the real old school loud fan and his caption says rain shine hail snow fog or blizzard all the fans will be out with the noise and let's see giants to take crack at richmond virginia team mcgraw men in their last easy games today and tomorrow. Yeah, the easy games of, I guess, playing uh, non-major league teams of the time. And again, the uh, byline goes to Evening World correspondent with the team, Bozeman Bulger. And it's quite obvious. I mean, this paper, their priority <clears throat> is... <clears throat> In, in three New York teams, Giants first, Hilltoppers second, and Dodgers. Because Brooklyn at the time was like another city, I guess. But uh, yeah, they're third. 
After a flying trip through Norfolk with its beauties and war talk and a flash of the biggest oysters in Virginia, the Giants, with their retinue of trainers, rubbers, and historians, have found a warm berth in Richmond for two days. This afternoon, the fur will fly, provided the bad weather furnishes a fur-flying day. This is the last crack the regulars will have at a weak team. From now on, their motto is, let nothing escape. From here, they step into a real bear's den at Baltimore, and then comes the big work at the polo grounds. With a fighting reputation hung to each bat bag, the Giants started a buzz in Norfolk, but they wafted through the quaint old city with such speed that the hotel lobbies were still buzzing for an hour after they were on their way to Richmond. A spell of bad weather, made a game in Norfolk impossible, and there was so much difficulty in securing a place on which the aspiring young defender of Coogan's Bluff could lay the hard athletic head that a general order to break camp was issued, and the whole works tore out for Richmond at four o'clock, arriving here in time for a late dinner. A ball player, being of that temperament, that had just as soon lose a disconstant sc- oh wait <clears throat> ball player being of that temperament that had just as soon lose a dimmer as a left leg a dinner rather as a left leg yeah the dimmer. There was a loud and constant squawk as the train plowed through the darkness, and a notice went up that the eats could not come off until after seven o'clock. Reuben Marcard, Rube Marcard, and Josh DeVore had provided themselves with a large bunch of sandwiches, half of which they sold to Lewis Druck. Lewis, being a business turn of mine, resold the said sandwiches to the players who had touched Secretary Gray and made the price 25 cents each. He thereby corralled enough profits to carry him through the poker game for two more days. Secretary Gray joined the team at Norfolk, and with a loud and joyful scream, the athletes tore after him like eagles after a lamb. While Bill is conservative when it comes to putting the hand in the pocket, he could not withstand the attack until he had worn the lining out of his pants and his advance tab looked like a Chinese laundry list. Even Bridwell and Chief Myers, the two most able bankers on the club, had to negotiate with the secretary. Mm-hmm. Little road money stuff. And uh, let's see, a short bit on the Dodgers. The Dodgers now at Danville, Virginia, to do battle. The Dodgers will play the local team here today, if it is fair. The Brooklyns are certainly having their share of bad luck with the weather when it comes time for them to don their uniforms and go out for their regular morning practice. Yesterday at Asheville, North Carolina, a heavy downpour of rain began, which lasted throughout the day. As a result, the players were compelled to remain in their hotel. The players here are Dalbert, McElveen, Tooley, Zimmerman, Burrow, Wheat, Colson, Irwin, Bell, Rucker, 
Ryan and Barger, the rest of the team, will arrive here tonight. Outfielder Davidson has been summoned home to Lincoln, Nebraska, to his wife, who is very ill as a consequence of an operator operation, which she underwent on Monday. Lejeune, the Dodgers' big outfielder, who was badly injured in an automobile collision, is improving rapidly and will join the team in 10 days. In the uh, sporting up-to-date news and notes gossip, and it still looks more like the opening of the baseball season every day. Ben Johnson has announced his umpires for the first games in the American League. Evans and Egger will officiate at the New York-Philadelphia game at the latter's ground. grounds. Sheridan and Perrine will work at Detroit. Connolly and Mullen will appear at Washington and Deneen and O'Loughlin at St. Louis. Athletics, only club that manager Chase of Highlanders fears. Boy leader, of opinion that his team will surely finish 1-2. From the staff correspondent of the Evening World with the team out of Indianapolis, April 5th, something akin to real baseball weather marked the entrance of Hal Chase and his Hilltops into the city for a series of two games with the local representatives of the American Association. And the change from the cold drizzle of other places the team visited for the past week or so to the balmy spring atmosphere put manager Hal Chase into a humor that caused him to grow effusive of the team's future during the hard campaign, which is to begin just one week from today. And incidentally, it is the first time the Hilltop's chief gave expression to his feelings since the mantle of government was placed on his shoulder. Shoulders, rather. Our team will finish 1-2 this year, began manager Chase to the Evening World's representatives with the team. We will have a higher percentage than we finished with last year. Philadelphia, I believe, is the club we have to beat out. And it's not a boast to say that I think we will do it. Cleveland's and White Sox stronger. Their percentage will not be as high as it was when they won the flag for the reason that nearly every team in the race has been greatly strengthened. Cleveland is a great deal more formidable than it was a year ago, and so are the White Sox of Chicago. Both of these clubs are going to put up an awful fight, and it will be pretty well on to the close of the season before the pennant winner is decided. Detroit is always dangerous, but the most trouble will come to us, I figure, from the Clevelands and White Sox. They'll be strong against the Athletics, too, and Connie Mack will not have such an easy thing of it this year as he has last. The Hilltops are strong in every department. There's not a regular in the infield who, if anything happens to him, cannot be replaced by a man equally as good. I have been lucky in getting such a fine set of players together and want to see that the thing, that the thanks go to where they belong to Scout Irwin. He has provided as fine a set of ball players as ever graced any one club. Not a weak point is there.
In the outfield, there is no limit to the speed of the club. The men are so evenly matched that it is so, no easy task to pick out who will be who and where he will be on opening day. In the catching department, I am equally provided with good material as in the other places. And as for the pitchers, I know that I have the best staff of any team in either the National or American Leagues. Every man has done all that has been asked of him so far, and with a little warm weather, every man will be in shape to go in the box any time he is called upon. Hilltops perfecting offense. From the defensive part of the game, there's no doubt about our strength. It's the offensive game which we are perfecting now. Any college team can field like demons, but the team that wins is the one that is there with the wallop at the right time and who know how to work to advance a man on base. On the hilltop team are a set of men who can bat like champions and men who are there with the wallop when it is needed. Every man is a good batter. As to base runners, there are few men in the country who can compare with Daniels, Cree, Hemphill, Walter, Johnson, and Hartzell. Chase omitted, omitted his own name, but the fans in New York knows there is not a better man on the bases than Hal himself. By next Wednesday, everybody will be right, and from the start we hope to make a spurt that will send every team driving right from the jump to the finish, continued Chase. But nothing but a great calamity can keep us out of the hunt for the pennant, and I hope for the flag and a chance to play off the world's championship next year. And my prayer that it is the Giants we will tackle. Ah, yes. And, uh... Again, one of those little rectangular squibs. Hilltops expect to play game at Indianapolis. Indianapolis, April 5th. The Hilltop team has had two days rest now on account of inclement weather, but today they expect to get in a game with the Indianapolis club. A chance to see the Clevelands and the Cincinnati's clash in the latter city, latter's city yesterday, and the chance to size up Jim McGuire's men was lost to Chase and others because of the rain. But the players of both teams hung around the hotel and fanned and talked of the coming season and what each expected to do. Ah, friendly terms. I like that. And uh, I think that's it. Unless we're going to do boxing news, which that I, that's just the temptation to do that or do news of the day is strong. But we're going to, it's baseball, pure baseball on this baseball 1911 uh, show. And uh, if you have comments, if uh, you've got uh, information, all of that, uh, send it to this email address I'm about to tell you, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. I'll repeat, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Um, we're just chugging along here day by day, and uh, it looks like I have found uh, a paper in St. Louis, if I am not mistaken, that... Uh, I will be able to access starting in May if and when we need an addition. But I have this sneaking suspicion that we will, of course, have uh, at least results of all the daily games every day. And uh, 
that Sunday that we don't get an evening paper here, I will figure out a way to fill or, or not. We, this is still, I already contend, the most detailed and complete look at the 1911 Major League Baseball season in one place uh, that exists. And now the trick is getting through it. And uh, stick with me. This should be fun. Um, and until uh, next we meet, set the controls for the heart of the fun. <laughs>